Today, rather than releasing a full episode, I've simply recorded and uploaded the entirety of the Wikipedia pages for the Quileute Tribe and for the Twilight movie that came out in 2008. Vague apologies for words that I definitely mispronounced in both of those articles. I don't know how to pronounce a lot of last names, and I also didn't really get a chance to look into the Quileute Tribe before like a week ago, so I've only seen a handful of interviews with tribal members and whatnot, so I'm I'm certain that I mispronounced a couple of things. Um, yeah. Um, Columbus Day was this week. That's part of why I'm uploading this now. Also just because Twilight's been on my mind and I watched the whole saga. This bonus content is meant to give listeners an opportunity to multitask their Wikipedia deep dives with cooking, yard work, knitting, whatever else you do while you listen to podcasts without the opinions and commentary our full episodes typically provide. The Quileute are Native American people in the western Washington state in the United States, currently numbering approximately 2,000. They are a federally recognized tribe, Quileute tribe of the Quileute Reservation. A related ethnic group is the now extinct Chimicum. The Quileute people were forced upon the Quileute Indian Reservation after signing the Quinault Treaty in 1855. Their reservation is located near the southwest corner of the Clanham County, Washington, at the mouth of the Quileute River on the Pacific Coast. The reservation's main population center is the community of LaPush, Washington. The 2000 census reported an official resident population of 371 people on the reservation, which has a land area of four kilometers squared, or roughly a thousand acres. The Quileute language belongs to the Chimacoon family of languages along northwest coast indigenous peoples. The Quileute language is an isolate as the only related aboriginal people to the Quileute, the Chimacum, were destroyed by Chief Seattle and the Suquamish people during the 1860s. The Quileute language is one of only six known languages lacking nasal sounds, i.e. M and N. Like many Northwest Coast nations, in pre-contact times, the Quileute relied on fishing from local rivers and Pacific Ocean for food. They built plank houses, longhouses, to protect themselves from the harsh, wet winters west of the Cascade Mountains. The Quileute, along with the Maka, were once also whalers. The government. The Quileute tribe is governed by a democratically elected tribe council who served in staggered three-year terms. The tribe's current administration is... Chairman Doug Woodruff, Vice Chairman Tony Foster, Secretary James Jackson, Treasurer Skylar Foster, and Member-at-Large Zachary Jones. Artwork and Material Culture Historically, the Quileute were talented builders and craftsmen. Like many other tribes in the region, they were excellent boat and canoe makers. They could make canoes for whaling, which could hold tons of cargo and many men. They had cedar canoes ranging in size from small boats that could hold two people to giant vessels up to 58 meters long and capable of holding up to 6,000 pounds. The modern clipper ship's hull uses a design much like the canoes used by the Quileutes. The Quileutes used the resources from the land to make tools and other items. In the region, almost everything was made of wood. Necessities like utensils, clothing, weapons, and paints were made from the available natural resources. In terms of arts and crafts, the Quileute tribe is known best for their woven baskets and dog hair blankets. The tribe would raise specially bred woolly dogs for their hair, which they would spin and weave into blankets. They would also weave incredibly fine baskets that were so tightly woven that they could hold water. Using cedar bark, they made waterproof skirts and hats to shield their bodies against the heavy rainfall in the region. 
ethnobotany. The Koyut have an extensive knowledge of the medical qualities of their homeland's flora. They use velvet leaf huckleberries by eating the uncooked berries, stewing the berries to make a sauce, and canning the berries and using them as food. Religion and cosmology. The Koyut's belief system holds that every person has an individual guardian. They would pray to the guardian along with the sun and the Saikadi, the universe. Much of their original religion was lost after the disruption of European encounter, diseases, losses, and colonization. James Island, an island visible from First Beach, has played a role in all aspects of Koyut's beliefs and culture. Originally called Akalat, on top of the rock, it was used as a fortress to keep opposing tribes out and served as a burial ground for chiefs. As told much in their folklore, the Quileute descended from wolves. Quileute myths proclaim that the two-sided mythical character known as Dakabat and Kwati was responsible for creating the first human of the Quileute tribe by transforming a wolf. In the beginning, there were five tribal societies that represented the elk hunter, the whale hunter, the fisherman, the weather predictor, and the medicine man. The medicine man honored the creator with the wolf dance. Quileute folklore is still very much alive in the area of the Quileute nation near La Push. Language the Quileute tribe speaks a language called Quileute, which is part of the Chimaquan family of languages. The Chimacum, who also spoke a Chimaquan language, were the only other group of people to speak a language from this language family. In 1999, the last native speaker of the Quileute language died, meaning the language is considered extinct, although three or four users in their 50s retained some knowledge of vocabulary. Up until then, it was spoken only by tribal elders at Lapush and some of the Maka. Quileute is one of the 13 known languages that are recorded to have no nasal consonants. The tribe is now trying to prevent the loss of language by teaching it in Quileute tribal school using books written for the students by the tribal elders. Colonization the Quileute relationship with European and Euro-American colonizers was similar to many other tribes' experiences. Their first contact with Europeans occurred in 1775 when a Spanish ship missed its landing and the Quileute enslaved the crew. This happened again in 1787 with a British ship and in 1808 with a Russian ship. The first official negotiations with the United States government occurred in 1855 when Isaac Stevens and the Quileute signed the Treaty of Olympia. They ceded great amounts of land and agreed to resettle on the Quilnaut Reservation. Article 1. Said tribes and bands hereby cede, relinquish, and convey to the United States all their right, title, and interest in and to the land and country occupied by them. Article 11. The said tribes and bands agree to free all slaves now held by them and not to purchase or acquire others hereafter. This article took away an integral part of the culture of the Northwest Coastal Tribes, the rights to possess slaves. Their culture had been focused on possessions and they had always owned slaves. With the U.S., they were forced to give up a key part of their unique history and culture. Later, in 1882, A.W. Smith came to La Push to teach the native children. He made a school and started to change the names of the people from tribal names to ones from the Bible. In 1889, after years of this not being enforced, President Cleveland gave the Quileute tribe the La Push Reservation. 252 residents moved there, and in 1874, 71 people from the Ho River got their own reservation. In 1889, a colonizer who wanted the land at La Push started a fire that burned down all the houses on the reservation, along with many artifacts from the days before the Europeans came. The Quileute Tribe in Fiction In Susan Sharp's 1991 novel Spirit Quest, 11-year-old Aaron Singer spends part of his summer vacation at the Quileute Indian Reservation in Washington. There he becomes friends with Robert, a Quileute boy. 
At the encouragement of his family, who no longer incorporate many of their traditions into daily life, Robert attends tribal school to learn Quileute language and culture. At Aaron's urging, the boys go together on their version of a spirit quest, where Aaron finds and saves a trapped eagle. Though he admires and respects Robert's culture, Aaron realizes he can never be part of it the way Robert is. Aaron's initially romantic view is replaced by deeper understanding. Stephanie Meyer's Twilight series features Jacob Black and other werewolf characters, all fictional members of the Quileute tribe and residents of La Push. Twilight is a 2008 American romantic fantasy film based on Stephanie Meyer's 2005 novel of the same name. Directed by Catherine Hardwick, the film stars Kristen Stewart and Robert Pattinson. It is the first film in the Twilight Saga film series. This film focuses on the development of the relationship between Bella Swan, a teenage girl, and Edward Cullen, a vampire, and the subsequent efforts of Edward and his family to keep Bella safe from a coven of evil vampires. Budget was $37 million and the box office was $407 million. Running time is 121 minutes and it was released in Los Angeles on November 17, 2008. The project was in development for approximately three years at Paramount Pictures, during which time a screen adaptation that differed significantly from the novel was written. Summit Entertainment acquired the rights to the novel after three years of the project's stagnant development. Melissa Rosenberg wrote a new adaptation of the novel shortly before the 2007-2008 Writers Guild of America strike and sought to be faithful to the novel's storyline. Principal photography took 44 days and was completed on May 2, 2008. The film was primarily shot in Oregon. Twilight was theatrically released on November 21, 2008. It grossed over $393 million worldwide. It was released on DVD March 21, 2009 and became the most purchased DVD of the year. The soundtrack was released on November 4, 2008. Following the film's success, New Moon and Eclipse, the next two novels in the series, were produced as films the following year. I'm skipping the plot because I don't want you to have spoilers. I think that everyone should go watch it main cast. Kristen Stewart as Bella Swan, a 17-year-old girl who moves to the small town of Forks, Washington from Phoenix, Arizona and falls in love with Edward Cullen, a vampire. Her life is endangered after James, a sadistic vampire, decides to hunt her. Robert Pattinson as Edward Cullen, a 108-year-old vampire who was changed in 1918 and still appears to be 17. He is Bella's love interest and eventually falls in love with her. He has the ability to read minds with the exception of Bella along with superhuman speed. Secondary cast. Peter Facinelli as Carlisle Cullen, a compassionate 300-plus-year-old vampire who looks to be in his early 30s. He serves as the town's physician and is the Cullen family patriarch. Elizabeth Reeser as Esme Cullen, Carlisle's vampire wife and the matriarch of the Cullen family. Ashley Green as Alice Cullen, Jasper Hale's mate, a vampire who can see the future based on decisions that people make. Kellen Lutz as Emmett Cullen, physically the strongest vampire of the family. Nikki Reed as Rosalie Hale, Emmett Cullen's mate, a vampire described as the most beautiful person in the world. She is hostile toward Bella throughout the film, worried that Edward's relationship with a human puts their clan at risk. Jackson Rathbone as Jasper Hale, a Cullen family member who can manipulate emotions. He is the newest member of the Cullen family and thus has the most difficulty maintaining their vegetarian diet of feeding only on animal rather than human blood. 
Billy Burke as Charlie Swan, Bella's father and Fork's chief of police. Cam Gigandit as James Witherdale, the leader of a group of nomadic vampires that intends to kill Bella. He is Victoria's mate and a gifted tracker due to his unparalleled senses. Rochelle Lefebvre as Victoria Sutherland, James's mate who assists him in hunting Bella. Taylor Lautner as Jacob Black, an old childhood friend of Bella and member of the Quileute tribe. Anna Kendrick as Jessica Stanley, Bella's first friend in Forks. Justin Chan as Eric Yorkie, another one of Bella's classmates who vies for her attention. Gil Birmingham as Billy Black. Development. Stephanie Meyer's paranormal romance novel Twilight was originally optioned by Paramount Pictures MTV Films in April 2004, but the screenplay that was subsequently developed was substantially different from its source material. When Summit Entertainment reinvented itself as a full-service studio in April 2007, it began development of a film adaptation anew, having picked up the rights from Paramount, who coincidentally had made an unrelated film with the same title in 1998 in a turnaround. The company perceived the film as an opportunity to launch a franchise based on the success of Meyer's book and its sequels. Catherine Hardwick was hired to direct the film, and Melissa Rosenberg was hired to write the script in mid-2007. Rosenberg developed an outline by the end of August and collaborated with Hardwick on writing the screenplay during the following month. Rosenberg said Hardwick was a great sounding board and had all sorts of brilliant ideas. I'd finish off scenes and send them to her and get back her notes. Due to the impending Writers Guild of America strike, Rosenberg worked full-time to finish the screenplay before October 31st. In adapting the novel, she had to condense a great deal. Some characters from the novel were not featured in the screenplay, whereas some characters were combined into others. Our intent all along was to stay true to the book, Rosenberg explained, and it has less to do with adapting it word for word and more with making sure the characters' arcs and emotional journeys are the same. Hardwick suggested the use of voiceover to convey Bella's internal dialogue, since the novel is told from her point of view, and she sketched some of the storyboards during pre-production. Adaptation from Source Material The filmmakers behind Twilight worked to create a film that was as faithful to the novel as they thought possible when converting the story to another medium. Producer Greg Mordian said, It's very important to distinguish that we're making a separate piece of art that obviously is going to remain very, very faithful to the book. But at the same time, we have a separate responsibility to make the best movie you can make. To ensure a faithful adaptation, Meyer was kept very involved in the production process, having been invited to visit the set during filming and even asked to give notes on the script and a rough cut of the film. Of this process, she said, it was really pleasant exchange between me and the filmmakers from the beginning, which I think is not very typical. They were really interested in my ideas, and they kept me in the loop, and with the script, they let me see it and said, what are your thoughts? They let me have input on it, and I think they took 90% of what I said and just incorporated it right into the script. Meyer fought for one line in particular, the most well-known from the book about the lion and the lamb, to be kept verbatim in the film. I actually think the way Melissa Rosenberg wrote it sounded better for the movie, but the problem is the line is actually tattooed on people's bodies. But I said, you know, if you take that one and change it, that's a potential backlash situation. Meyer was even invited to create a written list of things that could not be changed for the film, such as giving the vampires fangs or killing characters who did not die in the book that the studio agreed to follow. The consensus among critics is that the filmmakers succeeded in making a film that is very faithful to its source material, with one reviewer stating that, with a few exceptions, Twilight the movie is unerringly faithful to the source without being hamstrung by it. However, as is most often the case, with film adaptations, differences do exist between the film and source material. Certain scenes from the book were cut from the film, such as a biology room scene where Bella's class does blood typing. Hardwick explains, well, the book is almost 500 pages, and you do have to do a sweetened, condensed milk version of that. We already have two scenes in biology, the first time they're in there, and the second time 
when they connect. For a film, when you condense, you don't want to keep going back to the same setting over and over, so that's not it. The settings of certain conversations in the book were also changed to make the scenes more visually dynamic on screen, such as Bella's revelation that she knows Edward is a vampire. This happens in a meadow in the film instead of in Edward's car, as in the novel. A biology field trip scene is added to the film to condense the moments of Bella's frustration at trying to explain how Edward saved her from being crushed by a van. The villainous vampires are introduced earlier in the film than in the novel. Rosenberg said, You don't really see James and the other vampires until you have the last quarter of the book, which won't really work for a movie. You need that ominous tension right off the bat. We needed to see them and that impending danger from the start, and so I had to create a backstory for them, what they were up to, to flesh them out a bit as characters. Rosenberg also combined some of the human high school students with Lauren Mallory and Jessica Stanley in the film, becoming the character of Jessica in the film. A compilation of a couple of different human characters becoming Eric Yorkie. About these variances from the book, Moradian stated, I think we did a really judicious job of distilling the book. Our greatest critic, Stephanie Meyer, loves the screenplay, and that tells me we made all the right choices in terms of what to keep and what to lose. Invariably, you're going to lose bits and pieces that certain members of the audience are going to desperately want to see, but there's just a reality that we're not making Twilight the book the movie. Casting. A quote from Twilight author Stephanie Meyer. They could have filmed the script developed when the project was at Paramount and not called it Twilight because it had nothing to do with the book. When Summit Entertainment came into the picture, they were so open to letting us make the rules for them, like, okay, Bella cannot be a track star, Bella cannot have a gun or night vision goggles, and no jet skis. Kristen Stewart was on the set of Adventureland when Hardwick visited her for an informal screen test that captivated the director. Hardwick had trouble finding an actor otherworldly enough to play vampire Edward Cullen. Then she got a call about a guy in London. I looked at a couple of pictures and I was like, I'm not sure, Hardwick said. He had been fired from his last job. He was unemployed. He was in debt. Pattinson flew to Los Angeles on his own dime to read with Stewart. Shiloh Fernandez, Jackson Rathbone, Ben Barnes, and Robert Pattinson were the final four up for the role of Edward. Meyer had imagined Henry Cavill in the role while she was writing the book, but he was deemed too old by the time production began. Hardwick did not initially choose Robert Pattinson for the role of Edward Cullen, but after an audition at home with Stewart, he was selected. Hardwick said, Kristen was like, it's got to be Rob. She felt connected to him from the first moment, that electricity or love at first sight or whatever it is. Hardwick gave him the part, but he had to make a promise. You've got to realize that Kristen is 17 years old, Hardwick told him. She's underage. You've got to focus, dude, or you're going to be arrested. I made him swear on a stack of Bibles. Pattinson was unfamiliar with the novel series prior to his screen test, but read the books later on. Meyer allowed him to view a manuscript of The Unfinished Midnight Sun, which chronicles the events in Twilight from Edward's point of view. Fan reaction to Pattinson's casting as Edward was initially negative. Rochelle Leferve remarked that every woman had their own Edward that they had, let, had to let go before they could open up to him, which they did. Meyer was excited and ecstatic in response to the casting of the two main characters. She had expressed interest in having Emily Browning and Henry Cavill cast as Bella and Edward respectively prior to pre-production. Henry Cavill, Meyer's original choice for Edward, turned down the role of Carlisle. Peter Facinelli was not originally cast as Carlisle Colon. Hardwick liked me, but there was another actor that the studio was pushing for, Facinelli said. For unknown reasons, that actor was not able to play the part and Facinelli was selected in his place. The choice of Ashley Green to portray Alice Cullen was the subject of fan criticism due to Green being seven inches taller than her character as described in the novel. Meyer had also stated that Rachel Lee Cook resembled her vision of Alice. Nikki Reed had previously worked with Hardwick on 13, which they wrote together, 
and Lords of Dogtown. Reed commented, I don't want to say it's a coincidence because we do work well together and we have a great history. I think we make good work, but it's more that the people that hire Hardwick to direct a film of theirs have most likely seen her other work. Kellen Lutz was in Africa shooting the HBO miniseries Generation Kill when the auditions for the character of Emmett Cullen were conducted. The role had already been cast by the time the production ended in December 2007, but the actor who had been selected fell through. Lutz subsequently auditioned and was flown to Oregon, where Hardwick personally chose him. Rochelle Lefebvre was interested in pursuing a role in the film because Hardwick was attached to the project as a director. There was also the potential to explore a character, hopefully over three films, and she wanted to portray a vampire. She thought that vampires were basically the best metaphor for human anxiety and questions about being alive. Christian Serratos initially auditioned for Jessica Stanley, but she fell totally in love with Angela after reading the novels and successfully took advantage of a later opportunity to audition for Angela Weber. The role of Jessica Stanley went to Anna Kendrick, who got the part after two mix-and-match auditions with various actors. Filming and post-production. On a bed in Catherine Hardwick's house is where Pattinson kissed Stewart for the first time for the Twilight screen test. That bed made Pattinson who he is right now, says Reed. That's also where Hardwick auditioned Evan Rachel Wood, where she had to get her into bed with Nikki Reed for the film 13. When I asked about her lair, Hardwick says, MTV came and did an episode in my house filming the bed. It's legendary. Principal photography took 44 days. After more than a week of rehearsals and completed May 2nd, 2008. Similar to her directorial debut 13, Hardwick opted for an extensive use of handheld cinematography to make the film feel real. Meyer visited the production set three times and was consulted on different aspects of the story. She also has a brief cameo in the film. Cast members who portrayed vampires avoided sunlight to make their skin pale, though makeup was also applied for that effect and wore contact lenses. We did the golden color because the Cullens have those golden eyes, and then when we're hungry we have to pop the black ones in. Fatchinelli explained. They also participated in rehearsals with a dance choreographer and observed the physicality of different panthera to make their bodily movements more elegant. Scenes were filmed primarily in Portland, Oregon. Stunt work was done mainly by the cast. The fight sequence between Gigadent and Pattinson's characters in a ballet studio, which was filmed during the first week of production, involved a substantial amount of wire work because the vampires in the story have superhuman strength and speed. Gigadent incorporated mixed martial arts fighting moves in this sequence, which involved chicken and honey as substitutes for flesh. Bella, the protagonist, is unconscious during these events, and since the novel is told from her point of view, such action sequences are illustrative and unique to the film. Pattinson noted that maintaining one's center of gravity is difficult when doing wire work because you really have to fight against it as well as letting it do what it needs to do. Lefebvre found the experience disoriented since forward motion was out of her control. Instead of shooting at Forks High School itself, scenes taking place at the school were filmed at Galama High School and Madison High School. Other scenes were filmed in St. Helens and Hardwick conducted some reshooting in Pasadena, California in August. Twilight was originally scheduled to be theatrically released in the United States on December 12, 2008, but its date was changed to November 21st after Harry Potter and the Half-Blood Prince was rescheduled for an opening in July of 2009. Two teaser trailers, as well as some additional scenes, were released for the film, as well as a final trailer, which was released on October 9th. A 15-minute excerpt of Twilight was presented during the International Rome Film Festival in Italy. The film received a rating of PG-13 from the Motion Picture Association of America for some violence and a scene of sensuality. Music. The score for Twilight was composed by Carter Burwell, with the rest of the soundtrack chosen by music supervisor Alexandra 
Pat Savas. Meyer was consulted on the soundtrack, which includes music by Muse and Linkin Park, bands she listened to while writing the novels. The original soundtrack was released on November 4th, 2008 by Chop Shop Records in conjunction with Atlantic Records. It debuted at number one on the Billboard 200. Box Office Twilight grossed over $7 million in ticket sales from midnight showings alone on November 21st, 2008. The film is fifth overall on Fandango's list of top advanced ticket sales, outranked only by its sequel the following year, Star Wars Episode Three in 2005, The Dark Knight in 2008, and Harry Potter and the Half-Blood Prince in 2009. It grossed $35.7 million on its opening day. For its opening weekend in the United States and Canada, Twilight accumulated $69.6 million from over 3,000 theaters at an average of 20368 per theater. The film grossed over $192 million in the United States and Canada and $214 million in international territories for a total of over $392 million. Its opening weekend gross was the highest ever of a female-directed film, surpassing that of Deep Impact from 1998. Critical Reception Based on 219 reviews collected by Rotten Tomatoes, the film has a rating of 49% and a weighted average score of 5.41 out of 10. The website's critical consensus reads, Having lost much of its bite transitioning to the big screen, Twilight will be pleased to devoted fans, but do little for the uninitiated. On Metacritic, it has a weighted mean score of 56 based on 38 reviews from film critics, indicating mixed or average reviews. New York Press critic Armand White called the film a genuine pop classic and praised Hardwick for turning Meyer's book series into a Bronte-esque vision. Roger Ebert gave the film two and a half stars out of four and wrote, I saw it at a sneak preview. Last time I saw a movie in the same theater, the audience welcomed it as an opportunity to catch up on gossip, texting, and laughing at private jokes. This time, the audience was wrapped with attention. In his review for the Los Angeles Times, Kenneth Turin wrote, Twilight is unabashedly a romance. All the story's inherent silliness aside, it is content on conveying the magic of meaning that one special person you've been waiting for. Maybe it is possible to be 13 and female for a few hours after all. USA Today gave the film two out of four stars, and Claudia Pug wrote, Meyer is said to have been involved in the production of Twilight, but her novel was substantially more absorbing than the unintentionally funny and quickly forgettable film. Entertainment Weekly gave the film a B rating, and Owen Gleiberman praised Hardwick's direction. She has reconjured Meyer's novel as a cloudburst mood piece filled with stormy skies, rippling hormones, and understated visual effects. Home Media. Twilight DVD sells 3 million copies in first day. The film was released on DVD in North America on March 21st, 2009, through midnight release parties, and sold over 3 million units on its first day. It was released on April 6th, 2009 in the UK. Bonus features include about 10 to 12 extended or deleted scenes, montages and music videos, behind-the-scenes interviews, a making-of segment, and commentary featuring Hardwick, Stewart, and Pattinson. The Blu-ray disc edition of the film was was released on March 21st, 2009 in select locations, was made more widely available at further retailers on May 5th, 2009. As of July 2012, the film has sold over 11 million units, earning over $201 million. The film in the next two installments of the Twilight Saga was re-released as a triple feature with extended cuts on January 13th, 2015. Twilight was released on 4K Blu-ray on October 23rd, 2018. Video Game 
Seen It Twilight, a film trivia video game developed by Screen Life and published by Konami for the Wii, Nintendo DS, PC, and iPhone, was released alongside the second film. Accolades. Since its release, Twilight has received numerous nominations and awards. In January of 2009, Carter Burwell was nominated for Film Composer of the Year by the International Film Music Critics Association. Robert Pattinson won Bravo TV's A-List Award for A-List Breakout. At the 2009 MTV Movie Awards, Pattinson, who was nominated alongside Taylor Lautner, won an award for Male Breakthrough Performance. Decode was nominated for Best Song from a Movie. Twilight won an award for Best Movie. Kristen Stewart won Best Female Performance. Stewart and Pattinson were awarded Best Kiss. And Pattinson and Cam Gigadet won an award for Best Fight. Christian Serratos won a Young Artist Award for Best Performance in a Feature Film Supporting Young Actress. For the 2009 Teen Choice Awards held on August 9th, the film and its actors received a combined total of 12 nominations, nine of which the film won. At the 2009 Scream Awards, the film was nominated for nine awards, four of which it won. The film won two Alma Awards for makeup and hairstyling. It also won the Public Choice Award at the World Soundtrack Awards, where Carter Burwell was also nominated for Composer of the Year. Catherine Hardwick received a Young Hollywood Award for her directing. In addition, the film was nominated for Best Fantasy Film at the 35th Saturn Awards and two Grammy Awards. Extended Edition. In 2015, Lionsgate released an extended edition a bit over four minutes longer. It edits into the movie scenes already released as deleted scenes on previous DVD releases. Sequel. MTV reported in February of 2008 that Summit Entertainment intended to create a series of at least three films based on Meyer's books. The studio had optioned New Moon, the second book in their series, by October 2008 and confirmed their plans to make a film based on it November 22, 2008. Because Catherine Hardwick had wanted more preparation time than Subbit's schedule for the production and release of the sequel would provide, Chris Weitz was selected to direct it in December of 2008. Thanks for listening. Please leave a five-star review and let me know who or what to cover in future episodes and bonus episodes. All the best. Nurmer Nurmer. Alright, I wanted to make a podcast for a really, really, really long time before I was actually able to, and the thing that allowed me to do it was Anchor. Anchor, you can edit the podcast, you can record the podcast, you can invite friends to join it, all on the Anchor app. So you need a phone or a computer You can go to the library, log in there if you really needed to. You could use an old iPod Touch. It's the most accessible way that I have found to make a podcast because I really thought that you had to spend a bunch of money and get a bunch of production equipment and whatever in order to do it. But when I figured out I could use Anchor as a platform to host the podcast, they distribute it for me. Um, You probably already know this if you've ever listened to an episode before or if you have seen the description with the tag that says that I make it on Anchor. If you want to do this, if you want to get into it, it's super easy. All you have to do is go to anchor.fm or download the free Anchor app. And I swear it's free. Like, it's it's so easy. It's the easiest, freest, most free way to host a podcast.